Ruth Grover lives in a seaside town in northern England called Hartlepool. These days, she shares the house with a parakeet about the size of your hand. His name is Pinda. I have a, a little parakeet, and he never shuts up. As soon as I talked on my phone, he looks at me as if to say, oh, poor thing, look, she's talking to herself again. And he joins in. As soon as I go off this call, he will be perfectly quiet. Ruth is 66 years old and is one of those no-nonsense people. I am one who, I, I don't, I don't believe things easily. I like proof. I think you can probably hear her sensible haircut and glasses through the speaker. Ruth used to be a dispatcher for the Hartlepool Police Department. Her husband, Jeff, he was a cop. About 15 years ago, the two of them decided to take early retirement. The plan was to visit their kids and spend long stretches of time in the Greek islands. And then Jeff was diagnosed with cancer. He died in 2008. A couple of years after that, I put widowed on my Facebook account. That seven-letter word, widowed, seemed to light up the internet for Ruth. I suddenly became very attractive. I suddenly became beautiful to four-star generals in the U.S. Army, which I thought was a bit strange. A lonely four-star army general had started writing her Facebook messages. Lots of them. After three days, he said to me, I've been looking to have someone for a wife, to have a serious long-term relationship, and I'd like you to know that you're going to be that person. Which was weird because Ruth actually wasn't looking for love. She didn't want to be that person. And remember what Ruth did for a living. She was a police dispatcher. I worked on telephone and radio with police. So if somebody rang in, you had to find out as much information as you could before you passed it on, because you couldn't dispatch anybody to a house where there was a burglary and they all had guns or anything like that, you know? So you've got to question. And I think, you know, if you don't understand something, question it. I think it was the wanting to marry me after three days that finally did it. (laughs) You are quite charming. (laughs) I just, well... It took no time at all for Ruth to start Googling and discover that her four-star general, well, let's just say he wasn't a military man. The four-star general they used on me was actually a German folk singer. Um, (laughs) Just his head head photoshopped on, on somebody else's body. And while this was almost funny in hindsight, at the time, Ruth found the scam kind of insulting. This person thought I was such a desperate widow that he could marry me in three days. And when I learned about it, I was even more angry. These scammers seemed to be getting away with all of this. And while Ruth saw through it, there was no one helping the people who didn't. So one night, when Ruth was watching football on the telly, she decided to take matters into her own hands. I was in a mood. Um, I was actually watching football, soccer. That's lovely football from Manchester United through the lines. I know both Robbie and Tim in the studio were talking about Casemiro and his... I was watching a team called Manchester United, and I, and I was watching them and I thought, we need a team. This has got to be a team effort. So Ruth created a team. And she called it, with apologies to her favorite football power, Scam Haters United. 
I'm Dina Temple-Rest, and this is Click Here, a podcast about all things cyber and intelligence. Today, a special Valentine's Day edition on how one woman took on the world of romance scammers and how the scams themselves have changed. They aren't just about stealing somebody's money anymore. Now they include fraud, identity theft, and a new twist, money laundering. It's not just the people being emotionally convinced to go and wire their own money, but it's something where we see them wiring money to facilitate a lot of these other crimes that scammers are doing. Stay with us. If you're looking for a daily guide to cybersecurity news and policy, sign up for the Cyber Daily from Recorded Future News. It serves up the day's most interesting and important cyber stories from our sister publication, The Record, and then aggregates all of the big cyber stories you might have missed from news outlets around the world. Just go to therecord.media and click on Cyber Daily to get all you need to know about the world of cybersecurity right in your inbox. Romance scams have been around just about as long as there have been people looking for love. I got scammed big time, and it hurts. It hurts financially, and it hurts emotionally. A Westfield woman says it wasn't love, it was a perfect illusion. All this happens on places like Facebook or Instagram or on dating sites like OkCupid. I saw your profile, you're so beautiful. Who could resist that? It leads to longer conversations, professions of love, and then, inevitably a sob story of some sort. And the more Ruth looked into it, the more she thought a kind of Facebook support group like Scam Haters United could help people spot these scams early. And she was right. And I was shocked at the almost immediate response that I got to it. She was hearing from people all over the world. We've got Claudia, the German dentist, as I call her, We've got the couple, you know, Jo, who, who does our Instagram page. She's in London. Um, and, you know, we've got Greece, we've got Romania. You name it, we've got them. And Valentine's Day? Well, the run-up to February 14th, Ruth says this time of year is particularly bad. Oh, it's horrendous at the moment. Horrendous. Every single year we have it. Women going to, and men, going to airports, and then nobody arrives. In the military version of this, the one they tried on Ruth, it's a soldier in a war zone, unable to visit until they get leave. Last minute, leave gets cancelled. Or maybe it's the young single dad who runs into some crisis. He so wanted to come see you. But hey, could you just provide a quick little loan? People trust the internet, crazily. They trust social media. They trust everything that comes on their phone. And they shouldn't. And we all know that. So when we get swindled... We're embarrassed. We feel stupid. It's, it's heartbreaking because, you know, they are so confused. And by that time, they're out of a lot of money. I, I sort of realised that people want somebody to talk to because they've got nobody else to talk to about this. And as you might expect... It's not all that easy for someone to admit that the handsome man or beautiful woman who is saying all these nice things isn't who they say they are. And it's hard to hear someone like Ruth tell you so. But that's exactly what Scam Haters United is meant to do. We can put enough doubt in their minds so that 
you know, they go back to the scammer and they say, oh, you know, Ruth said that you're fake. One of Ruth's strategies? Let pictures do the talking. She started collecting all the online photographs that scammers use to fool their victims, a kind of book of mugshots. And she'd ask people who think they might be the target of scams to see if the photo that was sent to them was in the album. Find your new friend's picture, then you know you were being scammed. We've got albums of doctors, albums of soldiers, albums of non-military. One of the most common things they pretend to be is an orthopedic surgeon in a war zone. So we've got an album about orthopedic surgeons. Once you know what a fake account looks like on Facebook, you can see them immediately. But people often need to know, need somebody to tell them. Ruth said a lot of the time, people came to scam haters too late. They'd already given the scammers too much information. So she not only helps people spot a scam while it's going on, but clean it up once it's happened. We do a lot of damage limitation, like fraud alerts and sort out your social security number and things like this. Scammers apply for unemployment in a target's name. They steal identities. One woman Ruth talked to was a victim of a romance scam over a decade ago. They were still using her details. So she was reliving that all over again. Scam Haters United has put Ruth in an unlikely position of being a reality check for strangers. So people would say, I'm talking to this one. Is it real? Is it fake? And so it was just um, a point of contact for a lot of people. Consider what happened to Rebecca D'Antonio. Rebecca was a very special case. She came to us. um, She'd been in a very, she'd been in a long and very intense scam. And the problem was? It didn't occur to me that I had been scammed. This is Rebecca. A few years ago, she met someone online named Matthew. I just, I thought he was really sexy looking. He sent a great picture. He, he looked like he was somewhere exotic. It looked like he was in like a, you know, a picture maybe was taken uh, by a friend where they were sitting at a, at a table together, maybe at a restaurant. In the background, there were like palm trees. and st- He looked like he was on vacation. And, and I just remember, wow, he's so good-looking. They met on the dating site OkCupid. But we moved off that really quickly uh, because he was having trouble with the chat platform, So, which I can understand. I was, I was not having the greatest time with it myself. He said he was originally from Australia and had been adopted and brought to live in the United States at an early age. He lived in Maine. Rebecca, as it so happens, lived in Boston. And uh, I remember he, in his profile, he he felt very self-conscious a little bit about his accent. And I'm someone, I love accents. We connected on a lot of levels and had a lot of deep conversations. You know, it's all about building that connection. You go onto a dating site to to find somebody to build a connection with. And, you know, a lot of people think that a scam starts when the request for money starts. It, it 
couldn't be more untrue. It actually begins from that first introduction. It builds itself very organically like any other relationship. And sometimes that's why it's really hard to tell, you know, what's truth versus fiction. How much were you guys corresponding? A lot. Probably more than was good for us. <laughs> and then you guys talked on the phone as well, right? Yes. Yes. Did he have an Australian accent? He did. He did. Although, you know, in retrospect, I mean, you have to... In retrospect, she said she didn't know exactly what an Australian accent sounded like. She'd heard them in movies, of course, but... It's amazing what you'll explain away to yourself. Eventually, they decided to meet in person. He had a business trip, an international business trip he had to go on. Uh, So we decided, okay, well, after that business trip... Uh, he had a young son, so uh, and he was a single father. So he, we were all three of us going to get together and like spend the day together or something. And then something went wrong with his credit card while he was on the trip. And so I, I've traveled internationally before. I've had that happen where you can notify the bank five times and still the card stops working. And he had his son with him, so he was like. I'd hate to ask this of you, but while I sort this out with the bank, could you wire me just like a couple hundred dollars? And Rebecca responded with all the things you'd expect. You know, this is a new relationship. We have not met in person. I don't really know you. You know, you're on a work trip. Can't your work do something for you? And the thing is, he was an independent contractor. And like, there was always an answer for everything. And so it what it boiled down to was, Was I going to be that person? Was I going to be that monster that would leave an innocent child in a bad situation? Of course she wasn't. So she sent the money. Over the next several months, he seemed to have a series of unexpected emergencies. He needed money for groceries. His son got sick. Uh, He needed to pay the hotel bill. He needed money to pay his workers. And when all was said and done, she ended up sending him over $100,000. And the thing is, just because I gave him $100,000 doesn't mean I had $100,000 to lose. She took out loans. She didn't pay bills. You know, by the end of it, uh, Discover Card was suing me. I was being evicted from my apartment. That's when she found the Scam Haters United Facebook page, and she met Ruth. The first thing I said to Rebecca was breathe. When we come back, these scammers have a playbook, and it was leaked publicly, giving the world an inside look at the how-to rules of romance scams. We'll tell you what it says and explain how someone looking for a love connection can find themselves doing something they never imagined laundering money. They will actually get brainwashed to a point where they don't realize what they're doing and just keep on rolling with it. Stay with us. What if someone you love asks you to help them die? What would you say? This is the powerful question at the heart of the ultimate choice. The series follows the journey of Michael and his wife Anne as they grapple with his request to choose the way he wants to die. I'm Rob Cribb, And through their story, I learned a lot about my own family. I hope the show is a way to start conversations many of us want to have, but rarely do. The Ultimate Choice is out now. If you're going to talk about romance scams, you have to start with the Yahoo Boys. 
So Yahoo boys are traditionally Nigerian scammers. This is Ronnie Tokazowski. He's a principal threat advisor with a company called Cofence. They help a lot of businesses that get hacked. It's something called Business Email Compromise, or BEC. Business Email Compromise is one of the largest crimes out there, and a lot of it ties back to Nigerian fraud. And that might sound like a weird segue to go from tracking that over to romance scams. But what we identified is for every different type of BEC attack that's out there, virtually every case uses a romance victim as the money mule. Scammers are running lots of cons at the same time. They're romance schemes, email compromises, check fraud, you name it. And they've found a way to leverage them all off each other. For example, after scammers steal money from companies, they need a way to move the money out of the country without raising suspicion. Their romance victims end up helping them there, too. Scammers ask them to open bank accounts under their own names, and then they send them the money and ask them to reroute it back, which makes it much harder for authorities to track and trace it. And that's one of the biggest things is people don't realize the diversification that many of these scammers have is that they're running multiple different types of scams at the same time. And to help keep their scams straight and on task, for the romance portion of their cons, they have an instruction manual that's a literal play-by-play. Social Catfish, a California-based online investigation service, got access to one of those manuals and then released it publicly. It's 23 pages long, single-spaced. And it feels really craven. There's a section called Ways to Say Hi to a Client. Pick one below. Notice they use the word client and not target or victim. There's a subsection entitled Fun Flirty Hellos. You just cut and paste things like I want this message to be the reason you smile at your screen. Or, do you ever feel like something really great's about to happen? I kind of feel that way now. One of my favorites? I bet my dog would like you. So one of the first things that happens for a romance scam is your scammer will go and create a document or a template, if you will, of uh, bodies of text that they can copy-paste back and forth to the victims. Once they have those bodies of text, I've seen uh, cases where it'll be 26 layers deep that they can copy-paste. Then they go find pictures. They might scrape Instagram or grab pictures from Facebook. They might go and scrape some other dating profile in order to kind of build that persona and build that identity. And they'll go make the profile as enticing as possible. On page four of the playbook, there's a section called Keeping Up With Her. Build that comfort with her before preaching love. What's your favorite movie is a suggested question. And the scammers are supposed to say, wait for it, Titanic is the only one for me. Jack, I want you to draw me like one of your French girls. Pages 14 through 18 are all about sweet nothings you can cut and paste into an email. Hello, my queen. I think about you all the time. You get the idea. And then it begins to focus on money. Just a loan. I'll pay you back. I hate to ask. And then, because they trust you, they say they will send you money if you'll just open a bank account in your name. It never occurs to the target that they're laundering cash. Ruth Grover, for her part, wants the world to get to the point where romance scams get stopped in their tracks. I'm the biggest marriage wrecker in the world. 
She wants them to go the way of those Nigerian prince just needing alone emails. You know, the ones everyone used to get and now just about everybody ignores. What I would like to get to the point where everybody knows about it. So if you do get an orthopedic surgeon, if you do get a military man, you look at it and you know that that is going to be fake and they just get rid of it. Getting to that point is taking a lot longer than she thought it would. When I did this and my little head thought I was going to sort romance scams in a couple of years. You know, I, my, I had all these lofty ideas. Ten years later, it's ten times worse. And she's right. It is getting worse. Last week, the Federal Trade Commission released its latest data on romance scams. It said some 70,000 consumers had reported losses of some $1.3 billion in the last year alone. That's as much as the previous five years combined. And the actual number is probably much higher than that. This is Click Here. Here are some of the week's top cyber and intelligence stories. According to the monthly ransomware tracker from our sister publication, The Record, January offered some vulnerable industries a welcome break from ransomware attacks. Only three state and local government entities were publicly hit by ransomware attacks in January 2023. That's the lowest number since January 2020, the record said. On average, there were about 15 attacks against state and local governments each month of 2022. Cybersecurity experts say the downturn may have something to do with the fact that the world's public sector is stepping up cybersecurity, and that's making it harder for groups to get payouts. The Foreign Intelligence Service of Estonia said in the report that it believes that Moscow decided not to launch cyber attacks against Ukrainian critical infrastructure in the early days of the war because it was sure it would only take weeks for Russian troops to occupy Kyiv and overthrow the Ukrainian government. The intelligence service said Russia wanted to maintain popular support after the takeover, so it refrained from launching massive cyber attacks. That was the first surprise, the Estonian intelligence service said in its annual report. The second surprise was that when the cyber attacks did come, Ukraine's resilience was far beyond what Russia had expected. Among other things, Russia underestimated how much help Ukraine was getting from Western governments and cybersecurity companies. Estonia, a former Soviet state that shares a border with Russia, watches Moscow's military and cyber activity really closely. And finally, a new security alert from officials in the U.S. and South Korea says North Korean state-backed hackers have used a dozen different kinds of malware and ransomware to attack South Korean and U.S. hospital systems. The NSA, FBI, and Cybersecurity and Infrastructure Security Agency, or CISA, said the attackers are trying to hide their location by using VPNs and are using privately developed malware along with some tools developed by other groups, like LockBit. Click Here is a production of Recorded Future News. I'm Dina Temple-Raston, your host, writer, and executive producer. Sean Powers is our senior producer and marketing director, and Will Jarvis is our producer and helps with our writing. Karen Duffin and Lou Olkowski are our editors. Darren Ancrum is our fact-checker. 
and Ben Levingston composes our theme. We use other music from Blue Dot Sessions. Gabriella Glick is our intern. And we want to hear from you. Please leave us a review and rating wherever you get your podcasts and connect with us by email at clickhere at recordedfuture.com or on our website at clickhereshow.com. I'm Dina Temple-Raston. We'll be back on Tuesday. Looking for more of the cybersecurity and intelligence coverage you get on Click Here? Then check out our sister publication, The Record, from Recorded Future News. You'll get breaking cyber news from reporters in New York, Washington, London, and Kiev, among others. And you'll see for yourself why it attracts hundreds of thousands of page views every month. Just go to the record.media.